Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Hi, it's Michael Smirkanish. Welcome to Book Club with Michael Smirkanish, a collection of Michael's favorite interviews with authors from the last 30 years through today, on the air, on radio. What sets my book club apart is that I actually read the books. Book Club is now in session. Hello, hello. Yesterday, we had truly huge voting, bigly voting at Smirkan. Does anybody say that anymore? I guess not since. Um, 14,059 people cast votes yesterday after my opening commentary, and I'm taking zero credit for it because I, I was just not on top of my game, but the issue obviously struck a chord. And I am about to welcome a guest on this program right now with the perfect follow-up. The guest is the co-author of a book called Streets of Gold. And in the book, he and his colleague address the question, provocative question, age-old question. Why do so many children of immigrants rise to the top? Why are the children of immigrants able to outperform the socioeconomic status of their parents more easily than those of native-born Americans? And if you're thinking, well, because they arrive here poor, well, what about the poor who are already here? And they offer two theories as to what explains it. I'll ask my guest to first make the case that the data really does prove. 
that immigrant children do better in comparison to naturally born children. And then we'll get into the why, because I have a theory of my own. But let me go back, first of all, and say that yesterday's subject was, do you have more fear than hope about America? 14,059 people voted at Smirconish.com, and 75.1% of us said yes. And if you missed what I had to say yesterday, I, I came back from being out of the country for two weeks, you know, grateful, appreciative of having been born and raised in the United States and being a citizen of this great country. There's no place I'd rather be. I also, as I often am, came home saying, geez, we really are myopic in this country. We focus on American headlines and not those of the rest of the world. The rest of the world seems to focus more on their headlines and those of the United States. A good reminder for me to try and be better informed globally. So those were the two reactions that I usually come home with. The reaction of, damn, it's good to be home. I'm grateful to be a citizen of this country. I need to pay attention more to what's going on around the planet. But a third reaction that I came home with was a sense of pessimism as to what's going on in this country. The politics, the polarization, the violence. And I learned, because we had a guest on the program yesterday from the RAND Corporation, that I'm not alone that a lot of us are feeling a sense of foreboding about this country. And taking me now to my guest, one of the reasons I think that we have a sense of foreboding about this country is that, and you'll tell me in a moment when I open the telephone lines after a brief chat, but my speculation is that one of the reasons that we have a sense of foreboding is that we're worried about our kids and that we're worried about our grandkids, and that we're worried about our children and grandchildren in a way that our parents weren't necessarily concerned about us. Because there was always this belief that we could, we would do better than our parents. And many of us have. But that process seems to be slowing. Which is the reason why I'm so interested to find out, well, What is it then that the children of immigrants are able to do consistently, historically, and through the present day better than the children of naturally born Americans? And and how can we make our naturally born American children more like the children of immigrants? I think it is one of the issues. I mean, yesterday on the program, I had Dr. Michael Mazur a senior political scientist at RAND who was responsible for this 400-page societal foundations of national competitiveness. And as David Ignatius summed it up, nearly every American, whatever their political perspective, has a foreboding that the country they love is losing its way. And I didn't, in my conversation with Dr. Mazur, discuss this this issue about our concern for our kids, but I, I may as well have. But I'm certainly going to do that now with my next guest. Posted today at Smirconish.com and right now in all of my social media is an analysis by Peter Coy of a brand new book that I'm eager to learn more about. This from the New York Times under the headline, Why So Many Children of Immigrants Rise to the Top. Ran 
Abramitsky is a co-author of this book. He from Stanford, along with a colleague from Princeton, have just published Streets of Gold, America's Untold Story of Immigrant Success. And he joins me now. Ran Abramitsky, thank you so much for your time. Thanks a lot for having me. So before we talk about the why, make the case that these are the facts, that many children of immigrants do rise to the top and more quickly than those of naturally born Americans. Great. So we basically look at, in the past, we look at census records, and we are able to look at uh, children of uh, immigrants uh, where they, that we can observe them when they were young and then when they were uh, adults and having their own careers. And in the modern period, we can look at uh, the opportunity insight, data from tax records, where we can again see children and their parents. And what we find is that uh, the children of immigrants, and especially the ones who we focus, for example, on poor immigrants, so think about children of immigrants uh, who grew up in the 25th percentile of the income distribution. So think about it as children who grew up to poor, in poor families where both parents work for wage uh, jobs. And then when we look up these children when they have their own career, we find that the children of immigrants are doing better than the children, are more upwardly mobile than the children of those born in the United States. And that is true for nearly every sending country. And it is true both a uh, hundred years ago in the Ellis Island generation, and it is true today. So the children of Mexican and Dominican Republican immigrants are just as upwardly mobile as the children of Swedes and Norwegians and Danes a hundred years ago. I think that your your latter point is very significant because I'm sure that if people, I'll use your descriptor, thinking about the Ellis Island era, have no doubt about what the data would show, that yes, the children of those immigrants are going to exceed the financial achievement, socioeconomic status of their parents. But there seems to be this perception that today that's no longer the case, and you say the data belies that observation. Exactly. So there is this nostalgic view yes. about this Ellis Island immigrants that they moved quickly, came and moved quickly from ranks to riches, yep. and that uh, that is in contrast to today's immigrants that are kind of stuck in a permanent underclass. And what we find is that uh, that's, you know, the ranks to riches story of the past is not true either. So immigrants in the past uh, took time to rise, you know, if the immigrants themselves often uh, continued to lag behind the U.S. war even uh, 20, 30 years later, just like immigrants today, but that the children of those immigrants in the past were very upwardly mobile, and that the children of today's immigrants are just as upwardly mobile as the children of uh, past poor immigrants. Does it matter where the parents come from? Great question. So we find that uh, immigrants uh, in the past and today, uh, immigrants from nearly every sending country, uh, are more upwardly mobile than the children born in poor U.S. households. But there are some differences. So, for example, today immigrants of, uh, you know, who, who, uh, immigrants of Chinese and uh, in, uh, immigrants and those come from India are exceptionally upwardly mobile. But even the children of Mexican immigrants and immigrants from the Dominican Republic who are starting out poorer oftentimes, they also are rather upwardly mobile and the children of these immigrants catch up with the children of the U.S. born. 
Okay, let's turn our attention then to the why, because I know from Peter Coy's descriptor of your book that you advance two theories. I hope that Ran Abramitsky is going to be interested in hearing my own theory as an armchair quarterback. So hit me with the data. I would love to hear that. Okay, hit me with the data-infused explanation, and then I'll offer you my own. Great. So the, when you talk to people about why they think uh, the children of immigrants are more up to be mobile, some of them will say, well, of course, you know, the children of immigrants are very entrepreneurial. They have entrepreneurial spirits. They come here. They are full of motivation. And that's uh, why they would do better. Others will say things like, well, they would invest more in the education of their children. And maybe these are part of your explanations, and they may as well uh, be true. But what we find in the data is a more mundane but rather powerful explanation that has to do with location. So immigrants tend to move to areas in the United States that offer higher economic mobility for everyone. In the past, this often meant that immigrants just didn't settle in the U.S. South, which was a place that uh, didn't offer that much uh, opportunities for upward mobility, uh, whereas the U.S. born tend to be more rooted in place. And of course, it's not very surprising, you know, if you are born in the United States in a certain place, your parents were born there, your grandparents are there, you have your friends there, and so living to, living, uh, to opportunity often means leaving home. But immigrants already revealed that they are more footloose. They already moved across the Atlantic, uh, moved to a new place, and so they may as well choose places that offer great opportunities for them and their children. So that's one explanation that we find. The other one uh, is, has to do with uh, immigrants tend to be underplaced in the income distribution relative to what their talents suggest. So, for example, think about the immigrant who moved to the U.S. and he's a doctor, but in the United States, uh, he's a taxi driver just because he doesn't have enough English and he has some uh, a hard time finding a job. But the children of these immigrants will tend to converge to the doctor father rather than to the taxi driver father. And so they are exceptionally upwardly mobile uh, because they are no longer underplaced and they grew up in the United States and so on. Both of those make total sense to me. The, the, the children are not going to be afflicted with the same level of language barrier as their parents, and the parents have already, as you say, exhibited a willingness to move wherever. So once they get to the United States, if the jobs are in a certain part of the country, that's where they are inclined to move. You, you did make reference to where I was going with my, my, my spitballing, for lack of a better descriptor, and I was going to say this, that the kids are not yet complacent, much like the parents who who bore them. Uh, these kids are hungry and entrepreneurial, and unlike many of the kids who have been raised well off or maybe not even so well off, but nevertheless with the freedoms of the United States. And so there's there's still that that hunger, that eye of the tiger, that willingness to ask for the order that the kids of migrant of immigrants have that isn't necessarily the case with those who are naturally born. That's an interesting, it's an interesting uh, story. And, uh, and, you know, partially supporting that in the data is that uh, those children of uh, U.S.-born that, who move, who end up moving to another place, who move to opportunity, their children are doing quite well as well. So it is really, uh, uh, there is something about moving uh, to opportunity that uh, 
uh, that makes the children uh, successful. And those immigrants and those U.S.-born who stay in place, they, and those are, they are the ones whose children end up doing not as well oftentimes as the children of the U.S. Uh, as, as of immigrants. Ran Abramitsky. There's a question now that lingers, and, and you've probably not yet analyzed or had the ability to analyze data that would give you the answer, but I am keenly interested to know what happens to the next generation. Is there a dropping off of the you know, socioeconomic rise when you get to Generation 3? That's an excellent question. We should, we should do more about this. And, and we can certainly do that in the data because, you know, in the data we can link up the children of immigrants and then we can look up the grandchildren of immigrants and then see what happens to them. And that's a great, that's a great question. But I can tell you that uh, by the second generation, almost anywhere we can look at in the data, the children of immigrants become remarkably similar to the children of the U.S. born. So they have fully caught up uh, in the income distribution they, uh, the immigrants already assimilated, so they speak English well. They tend to marry outside of their own group oftentimes. They, give, you know, the ch- they have names that are more uh, similar to the names that uh, U.S.-born parents give. And so they seem quite uh, similar already by the second generation. But I completely agree with you. It will be really interesting to see what happened in generation three and four. My best guess is that they will become very much American. So, for example, part of what we do, you know, Leah and I are both economic historians, and so when we look at the, at the past immigrants, we, look, we have the perspective of 100 years, and so, when, uh, and so when people talk today about immigrants, they say, oh, you know, why don't we get more Norwegians coming here? Why don't we have more Europeans, you know? And, and that is from a perspective of 100 years, that 100 years later, those European groups seem remarkably similar to the U.S. border, they are fully assimilated. And so one of the messages of the book is that we should think about immigration policy in terms of generations, not in terms of just years, because when you take a long-term perspective and you look from a perspective of 100 years, the immigrants and their children and their descendants are doing remarkably well in the United States. Your co-author, and I, I should have noted this, help me with her pronunciation, is Leah, is it Bauston from Princeton? It's Leah Bustan from Princeton. Bustan. Leah Bustan from Princeton. Yeah. Again, the book is called, and I'll make sure that I tweet the link to the book. It's called Streets of Gold, America's Untold Story of Immigrant Success. One other issue, if I may, there's a perception among some that immigrants frequently take jobs from native-born Americans. Um, and, of course, this gets into an issue of are they doing jobs that native-born Americans will not do? My response has often been to say, and you tell me if the data backs this up, that the same type of person who's willing to risk everything to come to the United States for themselves and their family is the type of person more inclined to try and start a business. They are, by nature, more entrepreneurial. Does the data support that? The data does support it. So you should think about it this way. Immigrants tend to come today in two groups. They tend to be the ones who are very skilled. They go to tech, business. They are more likely to create a new business. They are more likely to invent, and they are more likely to uh, create patents and so on. Those actually create jobs for the U.S. born rather than take away jobs from the U.S. born. They also have uh, tend to come also 
in a group of, of lower-skilled uh, groups, uh, but even they tend to work in the kind of jobs where, with relatively little competition from U.S.-born, like, you know, uh, picking crops and cleaning the dishes and uh, help the elderly and the kind of jobs that uh, the U.S.-born uh, don't tend to work in. And the U.S.-born tend to work more in jobs that require uh, English skills and, and, and stuff like that. So, so that's uh, support, your, your conjecture is supported by the data. The high skill end uh, of the immigrants are definitely creating jobs and businesses uh, rather than tending to take jobs from the U.S. board. Ran, one final subject, and thank you for being so gracious with your time. Uh, you have based your analysis largely on census data in the United States. Do you think you would find, I'm asking you to speculate, do you think you would find a similar trajectory if you looked at other nations, if you looked at Western Europe, if you looked at the United Kingdom, et cetera, et cetera? Do you think you'd you'd find the same pattern that the children of immigrants more quickly rise to the top? I think that there is something special about the U.S. here, I have to say. So uh, there are some studies about uh, immigrants and their children done in uh, other countries like Germany and France and Australia and Canada. And uh, there is, uh, the, the immigrants and their children in those countries aren't as upwardly mobile as uh, what we find for the children of the U.S. Born. So there is some special sauce uh, here in the U.S. <laughs> that we didn't quite get to, you know, to realize what it is. It, in part, it could be because if you think about it, uh, the U.S. has always been a nation of immigrants, a tradition of receiving immigrants for, for a long time. Europe, in contrast, uh, used to be 100 years ago a sending country, you know, but today, in the last few decades, it becomes more of a receiving country of immigrants. Maybe it doesn't have, uh, maybe despite all of the complaints about the, uh, about the U.S., uh, immigrants are welcome here and uh, they do have less barriers and perhaps less discrimination than in some other parts. I don't quite, we don't quite know what it is, but it, do, it does seem to be a little bit of a U.S. story rather than an immigration story everywhere in the world. That was excellent. Thank you so much for your willingness to discuss Streets of Gold. I wish you good things with the book. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to talk to you. Ran Abramitsky, ladies and gentlemen. I love this subject. It's been a recurring theme on the program over the years. And now I ask you to define what is, I'll use his words, what's the special sauce? Why do so many children of immigrants rise to the top historically and through the present day? He says, based on data, his arguments with his co-author, Leah Bustan, that they've got a willingness to move to areas of opportunity. So they're not going to come to the United States and settle in an area where there are not jobs. And secondly, the kids have an easier time outdoing their parents because they have less of a language barrier. And then I throw into the mix the consideration that they have, like their parents, a risk-taking mentality, more so than those who are already here, they're hungry. And they are not yet complacent. By the way, my further speculation is that if and when he ever looks at the third generation, they will be complacent. They will be complacent. But they've got a hunger, and that hunger is good for the country. This is the Book Club with Michael Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Spring? Is that you? 
Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a super light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24. NYBG's brand new online education program, Plant Studio, offers bite-sized courses tailor-made for you. Guided by plant professionals, dig into botany, floral design, landscape design, and more. Online learning your way. Register at NYBG.org. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. Donna in Colorado. Go ahead, Donna. Hi. Hi. Um, I came to America when I was four with my parents. And one of the things growing up, um, I think uh, we knew we had nobody to count on. So you do whatever it takes. Both my parents took jobs, like the gentleman said, um, one was an uh, office cleaner. My dad drove a truck. They were overqualified for their jobs, but they never complained. They went to work every single day, always worried they would lose their jobs. 
which created a great work ethic for my sisters and I uh, who were born here. And we are all now successful. And one of the things my parents drilled into us, one, education isn't an option, so we never questioned that we would do the best. But the second thing is they said do what you like. You know, do a job that you love, and we all did. Um, and I think that's the what I find now as a manager. I get a lot of people coming in to do a job, and they just don't want to work. You know, it's like um, they just have a different work ethic. So what happens with your kids? Because you, you heard me say to my guest, I'd love to know what goes on with the next generation. Do you think that the same level of advancement will be possible with your offspring? Yes. I have two daughters. They're in their 20s. And um, uh, one is uh, going to college, and um, she is do, she uh, dropped out for a couple of years because she couldn't figure out what she wanted to do. And uh, during those gap years, she figured out, you know, she loves plants and she wants to go into forestry with environmental. Uh, she found that saving the world is what she wants to do. And my other daughter just got one for chemistry, didn't like what she was doing, took a, uh, took a trip um, to discover she wanted to brew beer and using her chemistry fermentation. Nice. <laughs> I love that. You know, she, yeah, and she moved to Colorado and, from uh, we were living in Kansas at the time, and she's like, you know, I'm going to go do that. And I was very supportive. It's like you got to if you're going to work for 60 years, you got to do what you love. You know, and, I don't think um, I don't think that my parents would have been receptive to that idea. I know that they would not have, especially my father. But I would be receptive today with our children. I, I look at it the same way that you do. The, the, I love what you just said. You're going to be working a long time. Uh, God willing and all things being equal. So, you know, make it the right choice. I got to roll. Thank you so much, though, Donna. I appreciate your analysis. In Brooklyn, this is Dave. Dave, share with me your experience and your thoughts. Yeah, so my uh, grandparents were Mexican-American, uh, Mexican, excuse me, and they, they emigrated here over time with the four kids who uh, grew up here. So my cousins and I were raised being born in this country. But one thing that was instilled to take from the last caller was the education. It was mm -hmm. you're studying. We all went yep. to public schools. Nobody went to private over in Brooklyn. So, um, you know, we, we, we went there from the ground up. Um, I wouldn't say all of us became super successful. I mean, we've all made lives for ourselves, as my aunts and uncles and parents did, uh, to varying degrees of success. But two points to you, to what you had said. My daughter, who now lives well, my children who live well, I'll admit I've spoiled, and they um, they have become a little bit complacent, but they're also very good students. So, you know, I try to take the good with the bad, and it's up to me to make sure yeah, that I Dave, try to instill more of what my parents instilled in me. Totally. Um, you know, that yeah, things I, don't always come easy, you know, okay, based on we, how you're growing up. We are the same, because I, I'm, I'm the exact same in that I think I have, we have, my wife and I, allowed them to be a bit complacent, uh, and I, I take the fault for that, but they are excellent students. Somewhere, you know, somewhere in there, though, lies the proper mixture. 
Yeah, my parents used the belts. I never did that. And, uh, you know, not abusive at all. All great parents. It's just how it was, we were brought up. But one more point, and, and then I'll leave it. But you had had a, a topic a couple of months ago as why Hispanics were maybe going to the Republican side. And I will say the perception from the Hispanics that are in my family and the Hispanics that I consort with has been what the opposite of what we were taught. You know, we were taught to work hard. We were taught to do this. Don't make excuses. Don't, you know, don't, don't give, take handouts. And the perception, I believe, from our side has been that too many people who were born here, who have that opportunity, who feel like they are entitled, are being given easy ways out that we weren't given and that, quite honestly, probably never would have taken. But, again, that's the perception. I don't want to paint it as the reality. It's a broad stroke. But I think yep, that's one of the sense. reasons to your topic that you brought up makes- a couple of months ago. I'm going to return to it, <clears throat> pardon me, as, as the midterms uh, get closer. Thank you for that. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the Sirius XM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Book Club with Michael Smirconish. New episodes drop Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. NYBG's brand new online education program, Plant Studio, offers bite-sized courses tailor-made for you. Guided by plant professionals, dig into botany, floral design, landscape design, and more. Online learning your way. Register at NYBG.org.